Hello, good morning, good evening, good night. This is Louise. This is the sixth episode of Soul Purpose, and this is the first Soul Purpose episode that I'm recording in my new house. Ah, the crowd goes crazy. Yeah, I'm in my new house. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know, but let's find out, shall we? So thanks for lending me an ear and let's get into it. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, I'm currently sitting on the floor of my new house. Just uh, came here today because I needed to wait for my carpet to be shipped and now it's here. I vacuumed over it a couple times. I'm sitting on it so I can flatten it, but I'm pretty satisfied with this rug, man. I love me a shag carpet. I I don't know. I like shag carpet because it's like really cushy. And then the shade I got is like variations of like dark to light green with a little bit of blue. So it looks like grass or like moss. And I really like that because um, the rest of my carpets are probably going to be like black and white. But I wanted some more life in my house, especially because I'm thinking, I'm thinking my little interior design self, I'm going to have like hues of green in my house and, you know, other colorful decorations. But the primary decorating color will be green just so that it matches like all my plants and stuff. And also because I like the idea of a green carpet. I don't know. It's kind of sexy to me. I like the idea of me sitting on something that looks like grass, but I'm not getting itchy, you know? But yeah, what an ordeal it's been um, looking around and buying furniture. I'm glad uh, now that I at least have a couch that's really nice that I got from Costco. Um, But it definitely was very crazy to test my strength in ways that I never knew because this couch I bought is like six, a six piece sectional and all the pieces are not connected. So, you know, you can rearrange it in any way which you like which is why I got it because I like the flexibility of it. But I only carried up one piece of this six-piece sectional and I was going to faint. I was sweating. I was drinking water and then my dad and Jordan did the rest. So thank God for them. You know, it's times like these where I'm just like, you know what? I am a woman and I'm very fragile. So the men need to do the dirty work because I'm here to make this house a home, not to move the furniture. Okay. So other than that, whatever is pending for me right now, furniture wise, is the other basics like dining table, chairs, bar stools, and bed frame. So far, I just bought a bed frame, thank God. So now I can start sleeping in here. Um, but other than that, I just need like the dining chairs and tables. But I cannot tell you how many freaking pictures I've seen on the internet and like just furniture in general in person that like. It's just like so hard to commit to buying furniture online, especially because I'll be looking at the reviews. I'm like, bitch, where's the pictures? Like hold on to the furniture and shake it because I have this thing where it's like if I see a piece of furniture like a table or like a shelf in person and like I touch it and it wiggles, it's an absolute like 100% no for me already, even if it's the cutest thing ever and it's cheap as dirt. Like if it's wiggly, I'm not going to fucking buy it because I need I need sturdy shit in this house. So it's definitely been like a, a journey to kind of see how the the style of the house comes together as I'm like slowly buying furniture because, you know, I just got to get with the reality that like, you know, my house is just going to be a hodgepodge of random things, but at least it'll be somewhere where, you know, over time, 
over time it'll become a nice curated space where I love everything in it and so far it kind of is I do love it right now where it is it's very bare bones but it's my housey what can I say um but other than that I had a good conversation with my childhood friend Kendra today and by request she wanted me to talk about how it's like to be in a biracial relationship Ooh, oh wait no but not biracial what is it interracial ah um so yeah Jordan's white and I'm very much brown and little Filipino girl um don't want to get with the stereotype but it just happened I don't know how it happened that way but I did not do that on purpose so I would say the main thing with having an interracial relationship is um the difficult thing is if um your parents i.e my parents are a little bit crazy it can be kind of like a rocky start at first when uh, me and Jordan were talking I didn't like him as much T <laughs> I didn't like him as much as he liked me but you know eventually you know the tide started to turn a little bit when I started getting feelings for him then he was like wanting to play video games instead and I said bitch but um so I was telling my mom and my dad uh that we were just talking as friends and my mom was like, yeah, sure, whatever, la la la. Um, and then there's like some instances where Jordan would do something and my mom (laughs) would like talk to him about it and it would just like stay in his mind forever. Like this one time Jordan with his other friends came to deliver some boba to me late at night because he was out and he pulled into the driveway and then you know I went out of the house to go pick it up it's not like he was like coming in the house later night or something like that but um my mom like went out to the balcony while we were talking in the driveway and had boba in hand you know just you know having a good time she goes to the balcony and then she's like hey get out of the driveway park on the side of the street you're gonna make the driveway dirty and like Jordan of course like wants to be a very good gentleman and he gets in his car as fast as he can and like parks to the side of the road and even up until now like he never wants to park in the driveway um And also, like, you know, the first time that Jordan actually, you know, came to hang out with me while I was at home, we he we hung out in the backyard and he had to go to the backyard through the side gate because my mom was like, no, I don't want him to step in the house. And I was like, wow, wow, I'm going to I'm going to be alone forever. I was like, this is fantastic. Because she was like, yeah, I don't want him stepping foot in the house. He can go to the backyard through the side gate. And I was like, shit, bro, like, I'm, I don't know how it's going to last long term, us hanging out, but look at us now, because I feel like the main issues that I've had, it's not even like, um, uh, being different, like races or anything like that. It's more of like my parents being, honestly, it's, it's just my mom, man. What can I say? I mean, my dad's pretty quiet about it. So maybe he's just kind of relaying his message into my mom's ear. And then she's like more vocal about it. And my dad wants to say kind of good cop and she's like designated bad cop just cause she's mom. But, um, it definitely was something that I was embarrassed about is like how crazy well, not crazy. I don't want to keep on using the word crazy because there's more adjectives than just crazy. I want to put some variation, but my parents are very 
intrusive in my personal matters and because they're intrusive like that and you know Jordan's parents aren't that intrusive they're more like open and willing with communication and saying you know go for it go you like yeah and then my parents are like um you're not going to have a romantic partner until you're done with your college degree and you're going to study nursing and just like very direct you know and so I feel like I was very worried at first in the beginning of our relationship that like the cultural difference of how where my parents are coming from and the reasons for them being so intrusive in my personal matters would freak him out because I know there is a history of my parents freaking out the boys I've been talking to in the past and you know that really scarred me so I just didn't want that to happen with Jordan because Jordan's a really good guy um but I feel like that's the only qualm I had but if anything Jordan is a very open-minded guy he probably likes more food and experimenting with food than I do, to be honest. Like, he'll eat dinaguan, which is like what we call also chocolate soup. It's like a Filipino dish that uses pork blood as the base of the soup. And there's like cubes of congealed blood cooked with it with pork. And it's a very, very yummy, delicious. Um, and there's also, what is there, balut. He's tried that before as well, and he liked it, which is fertilized duck egg. So, you know, you crack open the top. There's a duck embryo in there with yolk and a little bit of soup. You just slurpy, slurpy, chew on it a little bit. It's very yummy, delicious as well. But he's been very open to, you know, the Filipino culture. And he even, you know, still says bless po to my mom, which is like, you know, getting her hand and putting it to your forehead as a sign of respect to your elders you know I don't I don't really do that because she's my mom I don't know I, I don't feel like I have to do that every time I see her I do it very occasionally like after like she makes us like go to church or something but yeah I feel like he's very open to kind of like what my mom likes uh like culturally to be respected or like whatever culture ties we have but I feel like I the most like cultural differences between me and Jordan are like very minimal and I don't think it's like an issue if anything it adds like a little bit of diversity to the relationship like I eat with a spoon and fork at the same time with my meal and I eat a little bit of rice a little bit of ulam and then like I have like the perfect bite in every spoon but what he does is he eats with just a spoon or just a fork and then he eats all the rice and then he eats all the ulam no mixing or anything and I remember the first time he ate like that I was like bro how are you eating your asado or your um caldereta and then no rice but like I don't know <laughs> It's just little qualms here and there, but it's not really crazy. And um, I feel like with me, like, I don't feel that Filipino. I very much feel like a coconut, very brown on the outside, you know, visually. But on the inside, I don't feel that Filipino, if it makes sense. Because I only understand, like, bits and pieces and context clues of Tagalog and Kampangpangan, which is my parents' dialect, and my family in the Philippines' dialect, but I'm not so good at it conversationally that I will get lost very fast. And another thing is that, you know, me being here, I feel like when I was younger, I really rejected the thought of me being Filipino, because kids are fucking mean, bro. I'll bring my shopao, like, um, 
a white rice bun with like asado or meat filling on the inside and then the kids would be like oh she's eating brains i'll be like fuck you bitch you're eating lunchable crackers you know get wrecked because at one time i did try a lunchables i made my mom buy that and she was like why am i buying this like it's just like crackers and cheese and it's so expensive and i was like no please please like i need to eat a lunchables at school i want to be the it girl and then i did eat the lunchables at school i had like a lunch i was like so proud to flex i was like i had lunchables gushers and then like a capri sun i was like this is the it girl lunch at kindergarten right now like nobody can fuck with me and then i ate it and i ate it all and i was like bro i'm still hungry like i just i just ate the cracker and the ham and the little fucking three musketeer I ate up all my gushers and drank my Capri Sun and I was like, dude, like I'm hungry still. So after that, I never really complained anymore. And, you know, if kids wanted to make fun of my food, I would just like eat that shit really fast and then put it away. And the thing is, too, is like when I would eat my lunch, like my mom did me so dirty, man. I had I had one lunchbox that I really liked back then. It was like a Barbie lunchbox, but it got really old. And like what my mom used to do to my stuff in kindergarten, which, you know, makes sense to me now. But sh- it was so embarrassing because I would have like a cool ass lunchbox. And then she would write Louise in like bold ass Sharpie on the sides, like on on all the sides of the lunchbox, not just like one side of the lunchbox or the handle. It would be like all the sides of the lunchbox. And I was like, mom, bro, you drew on the Barbie. Like nobody's going to see that shit now. Um, so I stopped using that lunchbox. Um, and eventually my mom would just make me like bring my food in like a Tupperware in a plastic bag, but she wouldn't even let me throw the plastic bag away. I had to put that shit, my Tupperware back in the plastic bag and put it in my backpack and take it back home. Like the kids would always be like, why are you putting your trash in your backpack? And I was just like, like, fuck off, bitch. Well, I wasn't saying it like that, but, you know, if I was a kid, that's contextually the same kind of meaning that I would give the whatever I said back then to that. But, yeah, man, I feel like um, the the Asian-American second generation oldest daughters, we're just carrying the shit on our back, man. Like uh, when I was speaking with Kendra, you know, she was talking about how we're like the cycle breakers. You know, in the last episode, I was talking about how I do acknowledge, you know, my parents went through their own traumas. Like, I can't imagine how it is to live in poverty in the Philippines, like right after a war. Like, my grandma was alive during the war, so I don't even know how hard that was. You know, my mom was saying when she was younger, you know, she had to start working to help support the family when she was six. She had to raise pigs and she would clean them and then then she would sell them just so she could make some money for her school lunch. And still then it was pretty minimal because she had to split whatever she was making with her siblings who were also working. And then with my dad, I don't know too much about his past, but he also grew up very poor. Like um, when we went back to the Philippines in 2017, which is the first time I went, he showed us the plot of land where he used to live. And that shit was just the size of my room. And but his whole family was living there for like years and years. And I think um, probably in 2010 or 15, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to gauge the years, but um, he and my Tita Joy, his sister, had um, bought a plot of land in the Philippines, like uh, a neighborhood or a block away. And they built, you know, their parents 
another house that's like three stories tall enough bedrooms for everybody with a backyard so I definitely you know acknowledge that my parents are very very hard workers but um their past is not my past so I shouldn't deal with it you know what I mean I do have very much like a complicated relationship with you know wanting to forgive them because of the stuff they've went through but then at the same time the stuff that they put me through is like their own responsibility you know like they got to take accountability for that but Asian parents don't say sorry man they don't say sorry and I'm learning to live with it and deal with these issues because you know at the end of the night when I fall asleep I'm the only one thinking about those problems because my parents have probably moved past it or maybe themselves are trying to think about something to help bridge the gap of how they want to reconnect or grow closer with me so I do definitely feel like they're doing that right now with helping me get you know get my wings up and like help me soar out of the house but they are a little too intrusive for my liking but I'll leave it at that I'll let them go through it and you know it's just something that is a growing pain I guess but um you know I definitely feel for my mom right now because I think she's the one she's not saying it but I know she's feeling it because I feel like just imagining like, you know, your first child, they're moving out, you know, growing up and more independent. I can't imagine how that would feel to age me internally, you know, because I feel like the thought of growing old kind of does freak me out a little bit. At the same time, it doesn't. But I'm not at that stage where I think aging stresses me out. If anything, it's just like a stepping stone to getting kind of to the point where you're trying to get to. But, um, yeah, different kind of stressor because the, there's like something we learn in nursing school called like Erickson's stages of life or stuff like that. And there's like eight stages. I don't remember too many off of the top of my head, but I do know for like the age group of like 18 to 25, we're going through intimacy versus isolation. And I feel that bitch. I mean, I feel like isolation. I was definitely feeling that a little bit more like a couple months ago and you know just recently but I think because of like a newfound motivation and next chapter in my life I've been like launched into a different kind of thinking now where I'm seeing all the support that I'm getting and all the people in my life that you know come back to talk to me even if I've been MIA for a while or putting in the initiative to talk to me which I really appreciate and love I love you my friends but um yeah, it's it's crazy to think that like, you know, thinking like psychology wise that there's life stages and each life stage comes with its own challenge. So if you're struggling right now, my friend, it's because we're struggling with intimacy versus isolation. So I feel like for me, like what applied to me with that is that, you know, the isolation part is more of like you're in this point where you you know you graduate school but everybody around the same age group as you is going into different life paths because not everybody can go the same life path some finish school early some stay in school some take a leave from school for a little bit and will go back later some people buy a house some people buy an apartment some people like rent an apartment it's it's like so many people are in different places around the same age group so it's just like nobody knows 
what the right way to do it is. And, you know, there is no right way because everybody's got to like live it up the way they've got to live it up. But because everybody's at such a different place and like the next step seems so uncertain, I think that's what the isolation is. But I think we can find like kinship and all of us knowing that the next step that we all do is very uncoordinated like a baby but we have like friends around us who are struggling as well and just the idea that you're not struggling alone makes it feel better you know what I mean and other than that I just feel like I'm very happy where I am right now because I think I have like a couple of things that are helping to keep this uplifted mood of mine consistent because the thing is is like I can be happy and then maybe 10 minutes goes by and like you know whatever was making me happy is fizzled out and I am then again like now in a depressed kind of mood but the things that have been keeping me in an uplifted kind of mood and mentality um, are of course the house, you know, it's a project that I can see progress in and it takes time and hard work. So there, that's where the gratitude comes in. That's where, you know, the satisfaction comes in. Cause you know, even with the minimal amount of furniture and stuff I have in my home right now, it's starting to feel like my house and it's making me really happy. Cause I'm just like, this is what I was working for. Cause I, I feel like also when I was working, like I was just working to like make money, but like the goal wasn't there. Like I feel like having a goal is definitely important because when I was just like working and you know, I was like, <laughs> I was like low key spending on like random shit too that I didn't need. I don't know. I just feel like I was just trying to fill something, but I have a goal now. My goal is to furnish my house. And once my house is furnished, then whoever is listening, you're invited to my housewarming. But that's my long-term goal. Another thing that's been making me a little bit more happy as well is, you know, as much as I am a fiend right now for a little puff of Jay you know, I'm fiending so bad. I can't even tell you, but it's like, it's like a, it's like, um, I don't know what to say. It's like, imagine there's like a bag of your favorite chips in the pantry and you can eat them at any time, but the longer you stay away from it, um, knowing that you can do like, you can eat those chips at any time. The fact that you're using self-control to refrain from that instantaneous gratitude makes it satisfying when you finally do it you know what I mean so even though I am a fiend right now um I'm finding comfort in that I'm still very fully functional without it and that um I still really do have the funny and loving personality that I have even when I'm high, you know, like I am more than just when the person, the kind of person that I am when I'm smoking, even though it does sound fucking fun, like, holy shit, I don't know, I gotta stop talking about it, but, um, it's just a bit that I do with myself to make it a little bit more fun, this sober little period of my life, but I definitely think that the next time I talk to you guys, I will have a job, I don't know, I was telling this to Kendra again. We we literally talked on FaceTime this morning for like, I don't even know, like two hours. Um, but I was saying how I'm not even really that scared of not finding a job, 
especially with nursing because there's always jobs even if there's a hospital and they say they have a nursing shortage it's because the nurses don't want to work there because maybe the quality of the job or the working conditions aren't that good for the pay and it's just not worth it and they're just you know don't want to raise the pay that's the flat out like thing is like the when hospitals say they're short staff they just don't want to pay their nurses more so nurses quit so it's just a matter of fact of me finding an opportunity that will fly into my lap and I just got to say yes to it. So if anything, hopefully universe, it would be pretty cool if you deposited some money into my savings. That would be very nice of you. Um, and anyways, let's get into my quote of the week. I'll say that my quote of the week is that setting boundaries is a form of self-love because, um, you know, now stepping into one kind of range of adulthood with this house, I have to learn how to be an adult. And with doing that, I have to learn how to be a little bit more stern. You know, I got to show them who's boss. I got to put my foot down, especially, you know, like an example that I, <laughs> I think is funny. It's not that serious, you know, but I feel like a boundary is that I don't like to be so stern, you know, but when I'm buying furniture, obviously, you know, there's people trying to make a living and they make their living off of commission because furniture doesn't sell every day, you know, it sells in lower quantities. So they're trying to fish for that commission. And so it's really hard for me to say, I don't like that piece of furniture you're showing me, bitch. Like, let me just walk around. Let me just walk around, do a couple laps, see if I like anything. And if I really do like anything, I will find you and let you let you get that commission, bitch. But if you just keep following me around and just keep on pointing out random furniture to me, like I want to get out of there. You know what I mean? Like that's one thing I don't like about furniture shopping, man. It's just that like, I don't like just being constantly watched and having to like do this surface level conversation and like, just like laughing at bad jokes and stuff about pricing. And when I don't really care, just let me go in look at the furniture if I don't like it I'm so sorry if I do like it I will find you and that's all I gotta say like I don't know it's just stressful to me especially when I'm tired I'm just like I do not want to talk to this person following me around you know and it feels bad at the same time because I'm like I know they're trying to make their money but like at the same time it's just not I don't like it that's my boundary. I'm just like, just let me look because I'm it's a hard decision to decide what I want in my house, let alone trying to laugh at your stupid joke about like this ugly leather table that I don't want. You know, anyways, my songs of the week, um, the band I've been listening to a lot. I've been listening to some chill stuff, you know, especially while I'm putting stuff away. Uh, the person is called Men I Trust. The two songs that I've been listening by them is Sorbitol and trees among shrubs they're on this album called the untourable album by men i trust i don't know it's something that i've been listening to and enjoying a lot it sounds i would say like these songs on the untourable album it sounds like if you're driving through san francisco or somewhere up north and it's overcast and you see a lot of trees and it's slightly windy that's how I would describe these songs. But I really like those two songs right now, Sorbitol and Tree Among Shrubs. Um, but yeah, so that's it for today's episode, guys. 
Thank you so, 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 so much for listening to me ramble on and on. But that's what we're here to do, right? Um, thank you for lending me an ear. If I did say that already, just ignore it. I'm tired. And anyways, uh, thank you for listening, guys. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.